try to imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal with your host, Conan Neutron. Broadcasting from a secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A gigantic middle finger to everything that is rock about music, rock and roll, and corporate power. The thing is, though, if you don't laugh, you're going to go on a killing spree with shot and nails. Confidence of a hero or a fool. I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. That's like a science thing, right? Indeed, indeed, indeed it is. It is a science thing. It is a science place. It is a scientific fact that we are all up in your face. It is time once again for the one, the only, Protonic Reversal. Welcome to it, welcome to it, and also welcome to it. Alright everyone, here's part two with Mike Kunka. This is episode 299, let's go. So, like, having Mech at that time, like your band, right? And having Sebado, like your band. Yeah. Um, you know, I, Dan and I, we were, what I, what we really wanted, like, this is not a, just a sub pop, because they're in, we wanted to be on the show. Yeah. Uh, we played a show. It was a South by Southwest with Steel Pole Bathtub and Insane. It was a crazy show. That's I great. Found the poster for it. And I can't believe the lineup. And uh, we played, and the guy Corey from Touch and Go was there, and like got introduced and everything. And I was like, "Ask us, like just now's your chance, Corey." And he, he didn't do it. I never asked him either. Do you know what I mean? Like, I never told yeah, him yeah. we wanted to switch labels. You were kind of trying to will it into and he was really, <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm really, like I said, I ex- used to expect people to know what I was capable of just looking at me, right? Yeah. Without having to explain it to him. And I don't know if that's ego or what, but I wanted him to say, hey, Mike, if you guys ever think of switching labels and the touching up, I would say, oh, we'll think about it. And then he'll be like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it turns out, like I later heard um, from June of 44, they said that Corey had said that that was one band he wished that, gotten. I don't know if that's true or they were saying that just to make me feel good, but he had said, yeah, I got his solo. With the and, um, oh another was Matador we wanted to be on Matador, and we made uh like the story I heard was that Gerard Cosley lasted like one song and then threw up from the because we're like oh Matt, the guy the label guys here we gotta be like extra loud yeah, right yeah exactly they gotta turn it up and we told him he had to leave he had to leave because it made puke and I was like is that like is that good or Bad. Like in the end, it's a good story, but it's like, yeah, it's a good man, story, I, but 
probably. Yeah. But yeah, and then at that time, too. Um, okay, so sorry, this is in forever. But they had been courted by major labels. So we kind of, they would take us with to their dinners and stuff. That So like Sebado was getting taken out to eat by Columbia or something because they brought Mike Watt along to like impress us right, and make right. us want to be on, or not us, but Sebado. And Sebado would be like, well, I know you guys are, you got to check it out. Got it. So you're opening for us. And that you guys are in that and one. And those major labels. Remember right, right? Like what's you're in, that? You're in that one Sebado video, if I remember right. Like yeah, uh, in that video. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but so then the so the right execs come to the shows and it's a prank, you know. You're like, yeah, Columbia Records. That's exactly what they want. Is two idiots. You know what I mean? It's like they we would see them backstage after the shows. And they didn't look at us. They did not want to make contact. They were just <laughs> what the fuck is this stuff? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, then Sub Pop. So we found out that Sub Pop was interested, and um, which was like a dream, you know, for me yeah. and Dan. I used to, you know, in Fargo, I wore that mother with fun in the Sub Pop logo, like. Every butt chuck show, picture from any butt chuck show, I'm wearing that shirt. Like it was totally like living the dream. And then because of Beck, I think Beck was signing a publishing deal or something. So he must ask him like, who, who else do you think could we should do a publishing deal with? So we ended up doing a publishing deal with BMG and this awesome woman margaret who i don't understand why they spent money on and uh so and the way we bargained that stuff we would say i would always say you've you've heard our band right like you've like you've heard our band and they'd be like yeah 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 and then they'd say okay then you can talk to the lawyer like right <laughs> the lawyer can do that but i just want to be sure that you understand what what you're you getting do. into yeah like, well, is, the, thing, the, the kind of band you not are because it's not gonna yeah. change yeah it's not getting any better it's not there's not gonna be a, a dust going on yeah <laughs> oh but there was so the dust brothers asked us to Get out. <laughs> come no i'm trying to remember that because there's a john zorn one too where we said no to John Zorn, and we said no to Dust Brothers. And because they were like, we didn't have any songs, and they were like, we'll just do that album again. Come down, do whatever was the last record you did, and yeah. but we'll do it our way. And I was like, the fuck, I want to do that. Like, I, I didn't make sense. Like, now it does. And like, yeah. the John Zorn thing was like, I was like saxophone, like hmm. No, <laughs> yeah, like, I got it. Saxophone is like no, no, and that's the kind of stuff that gives you cachet now. You know, if there had been a CD record that was John Zorn got his silo, 
yeah, that's that a pretty would... rad thing to have. Yeah, and the Dust Brothers Godhead Silo remix record would have been rad. That would have had some cultural cachet. Yeah. Yes. Hindsight, but to do what? Like, what does that get you? Yeah, I mean, to get me anything different than I have. So, but yeah, so Sub Pop, we just—it was awesome. I mean, it, for me, that's the dream situation, and I still have a relationship with them, and I love Sub Pop. We had a really good group of what I would consider friends working there at the time, and they loved our band. Like that, yeah. Like they, it, it was, it felt right. Dan and I, you should have Dan on here because he's awesome. He's so funny, but we have a lot of feelings. It's like I have a lot of feelings, like I said, attached to this stuff, and the if it feels right, we wouldn't do it. Right. And that sub pop felt so good and so great. Like it was so good. And um, yeah, while it lasted, it was amazing. I mean, it was amazing. Well, so, I mean, I, I think super happy. I remember Skyward and Triumph seemed like a major leap forward for you guys, at least in terms of like visibility as well as just kind of firing on all cylinders. I mean, that's the one that I probably go back sure, to. Sure, yeah. And they got super pissed, oh, super pissed, but we had a recording budget. It was like a girl contract. And I think we recorded that one because I still refused to do overdubs, you know? So right. that one might have. I think it took three days, and we had a budget that we probably had like a hundred days in the video, and we just kept kept changing. Like, so we recorded it probably for twelve hundred dollars, and we just split the rest of the giant recording budget. Nice. <laughs> and yeah. So then, yeah, and it sounds like it, you know. And yeah, there's a like a whatever it is a thirteen minute one note. I think I think solo. Uh, oh, the the solo, yeah. Does yeah, it really? Yeah, yeah. Well, the the song yeah. clears. And that, yeah. um, so that and that solo is I've never talked about this. It's not like it's a big deal, but to me, it's really important because that that's for for buzz and what her story of the Melvins in Germany or something with Hammerhead on one of those really early um, AMREP like crazy tours where they would take like the whole every AMREP fan yeah. 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 and then they would share it and Paul Sanders told me that Buzz they were playing in like a, it was like a strip club so it had a catwalk and Buzz and the crowd was just nasty it wasn't going great so buzz just played one note and walked all the way out to the catwalk and stood like stared everybody down while he played this one note and they were like it was like five minutes of just this one note and i was like yeah i'm gonna do that's that that's my yeah i was just like no that's that's badass like that 
those guys used to talk about um they'd be like mike you gotta think like your your base shoot splits and you're like like against the crowd like you want to mow people down with your base i'd be like no you guys can do that like i i want to make friends with my base you know and they and when buzz would do that super challenging stuff it was like i mean way back i saw the melvins in I think it was 91 or 92 in Minneapolis at 7th Street Entry when Joe was playing bass. So on the Bullhead tour, yeah. which is my all-time favorite record. And they cleared the room. Like their headline, people paid me to see them. And there's like three people left by the last song. Because it was oh, wow. so It was so loud. It just was the most it was brutalizing it was such experience and i was like that's what i want to do like i want to be so confident that if everybody leaves it's a success like that doesn't mean you stink that means they're stupid do you know what i mean yeah. like yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of buzzes things like doesn't mean I that. like that means they don't get it so that bass solo i was just like that's that's challenging to listen to the payoff is dan's favorite thing that we've ever done is like the part that comes after the solo yeah yeah yeah, like, yeah it totally worked so and and it's not a loop like i actually played it live you know in the studio and um that was like a tribute to buzz because by that point he had done so much like so supportive of us me personally and i mean that's something i think i heard you mention it in there i listened to the alex newport episode oh yeah where yeah. you talked to alex and alex was like yeah how'd you meet mike he's like probably through us like buzz is if he trusts you and likes your art, he will help you in these ways that only he can, only he yeah. can see those connections. Yeah, a lot of that was happening. And cause you know, we did enough like the Melvins that they could have just been these kids. We don't like kick us to the curb, like every other fake Melvins band, you know? Right, he was right. so supportive and so that i mean i've never talked to him about that stuff but to me personally that is why i did that and so i stole his idea but it was to honor him so i feel like that's fair like i am not to do that Right. To, to me, to me, it kind of is a rare echelon of like, um, you know, Echoes by Pink Floyd, for instance, is like another one where it's just I like, oh, it's I, it's it's twenty two minutes long, like, and and there's just this one like incredibly mm. repetitive part, like, it, and it goes like, like mm. it, it's uh, also there's a shellac song too. Uh, they they open yeah, the second yeah, yeah. Of it. <laughs> And it's like 12 yeah. minutes and there's like yeah. nine minutes until like there's a drum change and you're like, oh my God, something different happened. 
amazing. Uh, yeah. like there's a and that's tension. Yeah. Yeah. And we didn't have, you know, so like we aren't or something where we can create this dynamic tension. Like there, there's such a limited palette available to yeah. us yeah. that it's two it was really hard. <laughs> yeah. But it, that, that song's on the 8-string bass. So like that, once I found the 8-string bass and figured out how to tune that the way I liked it, that, um, yeah, that was another one. I just sat and spun them till, they, till it sounded right to me. Eventually I wrote it down and figured it out on a tuner. But I don't know why the tuning works, but I know that it is what the sound I had in my head. I got it out of there. But um, yeah, I don't, there wasn't a lot of ways for us to create space or tension in our, in our music. And that one like makes people punch each other, you know, like <laughs> when we would play that on live, that is the fucking fight starter. Cause that note is brutal. Like it's painful and yeah. it, it lasts a while and I'm waiting and to come in and some nights he thinks it's really fucking funny to make it last just way keep it going. Too, too long. Going. Yeah. Cause he's just like looking at me or he can, and he's got a, like, I don't look up. I have really, really bad stage fright. So if I look up, my legs shake in this really weird way. I guess. Yeah. So I never really look up. And I look at Dan, and he watches the crowd. And I can tell if I'm playing that note, and it feels like it's been like 15 minutes, that he's watching something be developed. He thinks is really funny. And so, yeah, I don't know. It's jokes. Like, it's inside jokes but in front of sometimes like 500 people <laughs> yeah and so right, right. Anyway, yeah the payoff yeah so the payoff of that song is like maybe the best thing we ever did and the most satisfying to get to and we played some shows a few years ago and we hit that hour. i still start crying like it's got so much meaning to dan and i yeah. yeah and it's meant to be right and it and a lot of stuff is moving to me and not anybody else but that one too it's like you know i hear from people whenever i it's not like every day or anything like that but people are like that song like when i figured out to wait for the pay when i it opened the door, you know? And I know now, like, it's super popular for bands to be really loud and really slow and maybe play out for 15 minutes. I don't know if that's a bit. Um, it seems like you could build a whole band out of that song, you know? Yeah, now. yeah absolutely. Yeah, and, just and they would. Play different versions of it over and over. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. We were trying in some pop. I mean, think about that. They paid us a bunch of what I think is a bunch of money 
to make a record so that they could sell it. And it's got that. Like side B is pretty much one note. And I remember there was a lady, because we had spy or anything, but like friends that worked there and the facts came in from Sub Pop Europe that said um, our, like RE, Godhead Silo, Skyward and Triumph. What the fuck am I supposed to do with this shit? <laughs> and it was the head of sales of Sub Pop Amazing. That's what you want to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, well, yeah. I mean, I'm sorry that you work at a record label. You're one of the people that doesn't get it, and it really sucks that your job is to try to sell that record. But you don't get, yeah. Stop for everybody. Yeah, like I, we weren't making it when the baseball was trying to get on the radio. You know what I mean? Like we were trying to make ourselves happy, and then find people like us. So right. that's just like hidden message type stuff. And that's yeah. like in North Dakota, if you skated in the eighties, you had to import your vans from California or whatever. So yeah. if you saw a kid vans with the Ollie hole, you're one of the five skaters in North, North Dakota. You know what I mean? And Dan and I have always been that way where it's like, Oh, you, these are inside jokes, but people will share that with you. And then yeah. those are the people that you. Those are your people. Like That's you're trying true. to meet. Those are the people that like your band and you will like those people. Yeah. Well, and then Long like. explanation of that. You, you know, you found the right band, but it's like, oh, that's the title track? <laughs> I'll be like, oh, yeah. That's that's yeah, hilarious. Yeah. The and the cover art, cover art too. <laughs> yeah. So the cover art is like my deep cover, like eagle and a rainbow, and just yeah. like well, beginning of the end probably for us. Yeah. Well, okay. So then t- let's talk about Share the Fantasy, which of course alerts listeners of the show know there's a piece of it on the classic now classic Alex Newport episode from his side of things. But uh, yeah. other than that, yeah. it's, there's one of your rare covers in there. You know, you got the, you got the Phil Collins cover. What's the, the, Oh, the Phil Collins. Yeah. That was Dan's idea. Cause he thought his idea, he wanted to do that the whole time we were a band because he thought it would be really funny to just sit there while I, had to do all this shit like sing and play bass <laughs> yeah so he thought the delivery that's the only reason he wanted, <laughs> the only reason he wanted to do that song because he knew how hard it would be for me to like play by oh, myself um, yeah <laughs> yeah so, yeah so we did it and we didn't know how we were gonna do it you know like that that record's really weird and like painful feelings because it kind of led to us splitting up and there's a lot of like personal shit that went on that won't go into but yeah sub pop was bummed because we spent gosh like a not even a tenth of the recording budget on the first record and just paid ourselves with the rest right 
So the second record, it was like an escalating contract. So there was way more money even for the next record. And they were like, can you like, maybe make some demos or like, can you, <laughs> we want to try to get this on the radio maybe? Uh, uh, like yeah. they weren't saying tune it down, but they were saying like by this point, you guys should be able to make something that like it be on the radio, you know? Yeah. So we decided we needed to spend some of the recording budget and we wanted a producer and I don't remember, but it had to have come through buzz to get Alex and Alex flew up. Dan and I, we did, we did a bunch of, we did demos. So we did the whole album, but demo versions. So maybe like a week in the studio, which is insane. Cause we could have made the album in a week. We had sure. been making albums in two days or whatever. And so we, and then Dan was Boston at the time. So he flew back to Boston. And in that time, this kind of weird stuff happened where Sub Pop asked me to make a solo record. And I didn't want to, didn't really want to do it. And because I think Jeremy Enoch from Sunny Day Real Estate had made a solo record. Yeah, that's right. That was and that was yeah. And so they called me into this meeting and you know Dan's not there so it was weird to be just me um, they were like hey we want you to do a solo record separate you can we'll hire the band we'll hire an orchestra and I was like I don't even use a tuner like you do is a orchestra yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I that sounds awesome, but you I've got you fooled. Like you think I know what I'm doing. Like I'm pretending so well now yeah. that people think I know how to make music that other people could understand besides Dan. Like Yeah. And so Dan caught wind of that. I said I think about it. But probably not. Caught with that, I did you gonna move to Seattle? So we would be like a more like a band where we practice and record and tour from the same state at least. And um, but in that move, he got hurt. he hurt his arm really bad and severed all the tendons Ooh. in his wrist. Yeah. So Alex and I ended up finishing the record using the demo drum track. So we had no new drums to use and we use a track on the during the demos, but Dan that's not his way his style and that's not our like style of playing music. Yeah. It wasn't like really rigid on the grid or whatever. So like it had a lot of feel to it and it just lands where it lands. If it's not on, who gives a shit? Like it's there's like hundred more tries to get it on the one coming up, you know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so Alex 
and I built that album. We spent like three weeks in this really fancy studio called Avast that everybody oh, yeah. in Seattle. Yeah. And, yeah. And um, had to like delay all the, like do all this crazy shit to the drums to get them to be the, like more of a rigid structure to then play over. Like, cause if Dan's in front of me, I can play to anything, but if it's on a tape and I can't see when the snare hits come in, right, right. it kind of needs to fall near the one. You know? um, so yeah, we built that whole thing spent all that money <laughs> such a so stupid and uh dan and i had a huge argument in the studio before he left and it was just really getting hard to be two people in a band you know and we're both trying to make a living off it at the time and pressure from the label to make a radio song out of that stuff you know it wasn't like intense pressure but it was like we knew that was probably going to be our last one on top if we didn't come up with something that would earn our money back because we were costing them money um and of course you know we feel like super guilty about that um so it ended up just like he wasn't able there to finish the record so alex and i finished it and like alex said he made me sing which i fucking hate hearing myself sing and he made me really really work hard at it because he felt like that was you know that's why we had a producer because we just kept making the same yeah. shit over and over again yeah, he's just gonna sound the same otherwise you know so makes sense which is fine with I mean, so yeah, that record, and then we couldn't tour because Dan got hurt. And I mean, I know we don't have, we won't have time to talk about the next band, but that's what led to me kind of starting the next band was the day we didn't break up, but it was impossible. Dan could not hold a drumstick. Um, we we played one show on that record because we had a contest. It was like, if you could guess the lyrics to one of the songs, whoever got closest, we would come get your house. You got a case of Mountain Dew and a Pottery Burn gift certificate or something like that. Like Dan <laughs> set up the prize package. So, yeah, Dan, <laughs> Dan jokes. Classic so, Dan. Yeah. Um, and it turned out, yeah, this Olympia, who I, is our friend Aaron, um, in Olympia won it and so we played a show and Dan figured out that he could put BMX grips on his drumstick and kind of kung fu grip that and we played a show and it's awesome like y'all were you know? and then he had to go back and the rehab on his arm was years long like years and years long and then he so he moved away to do that and I started um, playing doing an enemy mind. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Because you started off originally but, well you you played with Zach at first. 
that was that was like yeah, a- and I listened to the Zach episode, which was really anxiety inducing <laughs> to listen to that. Because and yeah. he did a good job of leaving me room to wiggle off the hook for that. But yeah, that's when probably Zach and I probably should have just stayed friends and not been in a band together. Um, he used the word shit show, and I wouldn't use that word, but it was really awful. And it wasn't because of Zach. Like it, yeah. It had nothing to do with Zach. Dude is. I mean, the reason I want to be in a band with him is because he's fucking awesome at playing bass and making art. And he's just, just such a good dude. And I brought him into a situation that I didn't fully understand myself. And the drummer was a challenge. Great drummer, but really challenging personality. And Zach stuck it out pretty good. And for the first tour we had problems and we had to cancel the tour and it was like there was just no way out of it and then it was just like you can stick around and not have fun for next year and maybe get a record out of it or you can move back to minnesota it was awful Yeah. yeah it was awful really 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 challenging and and it's one of those things like he and I, it was kind of like I feel like a mutual admiration. You know, like I really loved what he did. He liked what I did. And we would always meet up when they would play or we would play, you know, we would see each other and hang out. And we got along great. And it was funny to me, the style and from low, like that's funny like the position of like the quietest band and the loudest band to like then make a band out of it. Right. Exactly. It's put so it together. Yeah. But, you know, you base your whole band on a joke. It's you need substance eventually. And I don't think that what we ended up doing was what Zach exactly wanted to do musically, but he wrote all the good bass parts that ended up on the album. Like yeah. the, he wrote all that stuff, and it. Like I wish he was had the attachment to it that I do, but it's same thing. Like it's really, and I get why he would never listen to that record because it wasn't. Like the music the isn't the bad part. It's like yeah, the yeah. relationship, the yeah. dynamic, the. Like what he moved into that I didn't know I was bringing him into was fucking awful. And he lasted way longer than he probably should have. He should have taken off instantly. So, and I, yeah, that band's heartbreaking too. Cause it, to me, so much potential was just wasted, like burnt. It burnt us all out trying to maintain that band. Which is the same because the music's good. I mean, like, and it's it's different. Oh, dude, it's different. that record, and it's but a different. You know, I'd figured out this tune on the eight string, and like, oh, that's a that's a whole band. Like when I get the knobs, like the tuning pegs right, and like, I'm like, oh, that note, I can make a whole band out of that. 
and I wanted to be in the game that hadn't existed. Like that, I really like doing is being in the band that there isn't another one yet. Right. And so Enemy Mine, I felt like it was the same thing. And, you know, yeah, some tough luck with record labels. and But we're going to get to the same where you're like, the one consistent thing with all these, like, failed bands and relationships that's me like as we tell these stories and oh this band fails <laughs> that drum quit that drum kind of lost his shit from their out yeah so i i have a part in all of this and i realize that and uh oh so i wanted to ask you though so when you're talking to zach mm-hmm. i saw him at catwalk actually i saw him in person a few weeks ago oh actually Cool. Yeah. Doing, yeah. How's he doing? I mean, he's doing well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, um, it, as well as anyone can say, I gotta ask you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you said, I gotta ask you about Enemy Mine. And I've heard these rumors. I've heard stories about what happened. Maybe you can tell me what happened. And he said, oh, it was a shit show. But I'm curious. You're not going to hurt my feelings. But what? Yeah are the rumors like what is if there's a rumor about that band the, the rumors is just that it was awful no no it just it was contentious that it was it wasn't a happy time internally like the music was great but the maybe it was it was not the best Between time me, just in general i didn't exactly or... i had no specifics of any kind i just heard there was contentious okay like yeah it, it was tough it was tumultuous. Really tumultuous yeah. is probably the best way to, to describe it. And this is like years ago, right? Yeah. And like, you know, and yeah, yeah. but it was, uh, I mean, I don't blame him. Like I said, if I wasn't so invested in it, I would have yeah. left. And we had a, we, I mean, it's a bummer that it never did happen. But Scott Jernigan from Carp was going to be the drummer in that band because we were having a lot of trouble with the drummer. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so Scott and I were talking and him and Dan were like best. I've never seen these to live together. They had the drum set set up in the living room of their house, kick drum to kick drum. Right. <laughs> right Dan and Scott yeah. were yeah. like faking yeah. each other. And just drum for hours. That's awesome. And like be screaming at each other and just drum. Yeah, they were uh, super sad that he's gone. But that was a that was a shot. That was a plan, and it wasn't anything. And but that was a plan to like try to get him. He really he wanted to do it, and I wanted him to do it. But I'm really bad at kicking people out or asking to leave, and we just couldn't. I don't know. And I will stick with a bad situation for, I just will, like, I'll stick to stuff till it's dead and buried. And that is so hard to be in and stay in and actually survive that I, I'm glad that record got made. And it's my favorite sounds that I've ever made and put on a record, but 
I can't listen to it. It was so, so hard to, to be in. I get that. I get that. I think you, uh, was it around the same time that you started that Mike and the Melvins record? <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Yeah. What's, what's the rumor about that? Where did I go for seven years? That's I, an, I always I hear that. Here's farming alpacas. Oh, no, I don't, I don't <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we have goats. Yeah, we have fiber goats. <laughs> I, yeah, I think right, anyway, yeah. So that you uh, stole all your gear at some point and like just were off the yeah, grid. We stole all this. Yeah, but that was way later. So that okay. So the Melvins were opening for Tool, and that Tool record that they were touring on, Enema or Enema, how do you say that? Yeah, that record got like. I don't give a shit if it's popular or not. I can if it hits my spot, like it hits mm -hmm. my spot, and that tool record just like nothing else. I mean, I didn't listen to anything else for like a year, and then the ones are on tool. Buzz is like, you should come with. You should you should come with. I'm like, okay, like that sounds awesome. So I got in the van with them, and I can't remember how many shows it was like ten or eleven shows or something. And the van were asking me, like, what's going on with Adelo? You know, and I was like, we're kind of, seems like we're done. And then they were like, what's left on the contract? And I told them the number for the third record that never got made. And they were like, all right, so we're got it. Buzz, okay. So I'm in it. It's me, you, and Dale. And I was like, no, 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 it doesn't work like that. And he was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So me, you, and Dale will make the record. We'll call it Godhead Silo. And then we we, we all get paid, you know? Right, <laughs> right, but right. But right, always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He had the number. a number. Like, that was a real record. That, there was money for that record. And uh, I was just like, no, no, no. Godhead Silo is me and Dan. And then I think I told him about the solo thing, the weirdness with Sub Pop, where they had asked me to do a solo record and there was money to do that. It's not as much. And Buzz was like, well, yeah, let's do that. And I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? And they were like, they, <laughs> like, that's the Melvins. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, to me and to probably, yeah, I get it. Well, and to the rest of the world, I can tell you, some people that make sense, but I don't think I have imposter syndrome or anything like that, but I know the difference between me and the Melvins, right? Like I, there, yeah, to me, there's a, it's a real, that is a, there's a gap there. I'll say that. And I just, I was like, told them no way like that's really stupid like i would never do that to the melvin's legacy for one and do it embarrass myself like right. you know and then we just kept hanging out that whole tour we went to disneyland yeah everything it was just as time and of course kevin was playing bass at that time so it's like one of my favorite all-time bass players in my yeah. favorite all-time band I mean, it was just the, that was such a nice trip. And then I came home and told my wife about it. She was, because I went from saying yes to everything, like the acid 
that beatbox phase to saying no to everything in the like turn down Lollapalooza side stage, turn down like five European tours, turn down the Dust Brothers, turn down John Zorn. Yeah. Because I just was sick of it. Like I didn't, I was not having fun anymore and came home from that trip and talked to my wife about it. And I was like, they offered to do this record with me. And I don't, I told them no. And she's just like, what? They hadn't at that time made any of those records with other people. So this would have been the first. Right. Yeah, like, because that was before yeah, that was before they did the the one with all the the guest singers. That was before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the opera I one. did a track. Yeah, yeah, I did a track. In that session, we recorded a song for Beck to sing on for that Melvin's record, but Beck. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Did it? It was They had a crazy tuning. Like I remember having to use a tuner and just being like, but it's like C. Something. I don't know. Sorry, I don't know name. Like I know the names and notes, but I can't. I just sure, think differently. And Buzz was like, just "Put it in C," you know. Like I'm like I know what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> you guys should be with that. Point at the dot so I can put my finger on it. And then he so, um, and she was so she was just saying. Like who gets to do that? Like, yeah, who gets exactly. <laughs> who the Melvin asking to make record with? Yeah, like it's not happening. Like since then, it's happened a lot more, which I think is Buzz likes to stay did by like bouncing stuff to other people. But at that time, they were still just the Melvins. So, um, I talked to Sub Pop. And they said, yeah, like, there's money. Um, you have to be serious. You can't give us, like, a Melvin's prank record. You know, like, yeah. they had that track that was digital. Or something. digital. Yeah. yeah, like, Digital Silence or whatever that track was. Yeah. And uh, it made us, like, when we were recording it, it made us, like, hold the phone up while we were recording so they would hear that there was actual like jams like, happening yeah before they would like, <laughs> yeah before they would send money like that there was actually like pushing play on the tape and like making the sound come out of the speakers but yeah that was like, in the middle of I mean like that I think it was after Zach left or right cuz some of the songs that I had were going to be enemy mind songs and mm -hmm. um we just met in San Francisco. I barely remember this stuff, but they had practice spot still in San Francisco. I think Dale was still living there, and we for spent a week being a band, showing each other riffs, and of course they're fucking pros and can polish a turd, like you know. <laughs> I'd be like, I got this, and it's like, you know, I'd be like, yeah, my turd drummer and enemy mind having trouble with this count or whatever because like i was getting into like i was really into counting so like i would try to do odd like without knowing 
how to play music properly. It's hard for me to break no rules, to break the rules. So I really want to play on time signatures, but it's really hard for me because I don't have that skill. Yeah. So I was trying really hard to like play odd time signatures and our enemy mine, Danny the drummer, was having trouble with a couple. So I was like, well, I'll bring those to Dale. First try, like he hears it once into it with double bass drums, you know, I'm just like, whoa. Yeah, immediately. But, like yeah. that's the difference between you and me. I can't do that. Like I can write the riff that everybody else then piles onto, but I have I can't like buzz showing a guitar and me play bass to it. I don't know how to do that. Like I've never had to do that, so I don't I didn't bother yes, learning. It's not it's not in your but, toolbox. Yeah, so we did that and we recorded at Tim Green's house. And we almost done first session. And then we were supposed to have like a two week break, I think. And it turned into 17 years. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just lost touch of it? I don't know. Really? I have trouble with momentum. Well, if I lose momentum, I will turn my head and focus on something else. Like I kept playing music. Yeah, you got to make other records. Yeah, yeah, I made, but I, part of what happened was like, a, it wasn't between me and the Melvins, but there was like this weird conflict. Like the studio was in Tim's basement. Mm -hmm. So he has house. We're there all the, like when we're recording, we were, I was sleeping in the studio, like in front of my aunts and yeah. like wake up and work on songs. Buzz would sleep there. Yeah. And I think, and we go up there to the kitchen, use the bathroom. So it's like all of a sudden, Tim's housemates have these like four other housemates that are like, we're all watching The Simpsons in the living room and they, it's their house. Yeah. And it, I think there was a conflict there because Tim called and said, um, you guys can come finish recording, but you can't stay here. And I was just like, and then Buzz said, fuck that. Fuck that. Because Buzz is like that. I don't know if you hang out with Buzz at all, but it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, he's, he makes he's, decisions. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. And it's not just like guitar parts where he's like, he's like, like, Every part is he makes decisions and doesn't doubt him for a second. Yep. And he thought that that wasn't, and now, so this is just the way I remember it. So maybe it's more flattering to me to remember this way, I'm not sure, but a lot of the story is like lost to time because nobody really cared that much when it happened. Um, but yeah, this was like, then we're not going to finish the record. And I was like, okay, that suits me because I don't want to write these fucking lyrics. Like, I don't, I hate that part and I hate singing. Right. And that's what's left, right? Yeah. So we shelved it for what we thought was going to be a month and then turned out that tape machine is a Kai 
Steam Track Lynch that runs at crazy speed. Nobody runs those anymore. So we have these tapes that you can't just take to another studio because they're on this fucked up format. And then they just sat and sat. And I kept and like, well, if I finish it, I couldn't make myself think I deserve to be in a band with those guys. Mm. I don't know if that makes sense. No, I get it. Yeah. Like it, yeah. I mean, I'm really intense with this stuff. And it's, I don't make she record. I don't want to blow this opportunity that people would kill for. And I feel like I don't deserve. Right. So, and then I would hate those songs and then I'd really love those songs. And I'd be like, there's no fucking way I can relearn those songs. Right. And I put all this weird pressure on myself to try and have a problem too. Like I can't talk on the telephone really. So I don't know why. So like calling buzz to say, cause like texting didn't exist. Right. So it's like to right. call buzz. Say hey, we should work on that. Like I, I know I'm talking your ear off tonight, but this no, is no, like I, twenty years of not talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is yeah. Look, so I don't look. talk. You've heard the show. You've heard the show. Like you know what the yeah, show yeah. is. But so like I don't. What the show is. I so don't please. normally. Yeah, but I don't normally speak so a lot, and so microphones and like i can't i've never been able to order through a drive-thru i don't not sure why like i cannot speak in that microphone i have a time with waiters and waitresses and telephones are really hard for me so calling buzz to like organize it yeah i didn't make myself do it and so it eventually I mean, passage of time, we'll skip a couple bands. And I went to a psychologist because I was like, I'm this, I don't understand why I can't do this thing. Not call as on the phone, but I have this record that for any other person would like be the pinnacle of like a career, right? Like for the type of music I made. Doesn't get much better. Yeah. I could, not, I could not make myself do it. I could not sit down with the four track and fix it. And so I went to the psychologist and he kind of explained to me what was probably going on. So I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> uh, I uh, finally got the guts to call Buzz and he called me back in like, it was like 30 seconds or something. Yeah. And I was just like, guys, it's on the phone anyway, but like having to say, hey, I'm still exist. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm, I'm in the woods, but. And uh, he was like, yeah, let's do it. Like, we're coming to Seattle. We'll, we'll set dates. We're going to do it. Great. 
that was easy. Whoa. Yeah, like, yeah, why did yeah. that take 17 years and all this fucking stressing out about making this one phone call, you know? And it's nothing about Buzz. I mean, the guy, he have ever, he's never been to me ever. Like, not all the, I've toured with him in every band I've been in. So, probably like six US tours. He's just been the best to me. And I can't, couldn't make myself call him. So, I go see him in Seattle. It's in October, and we're like, February, February works for everybody. Come on to LA, we'll finish it. Got the studio, awesome. I go home. I go to the storage unit to get my equipment to relearn the songs, and somebody broke in that night, stole everything, including the tapes, including all the tapes. Yeah. And that. Like I lost it. Like that was a that was the worst one of the worst times of my life for sure. And that I but remember. I, had, I remember very well when that happened. That was I, I yeah. I felt- and it was I can't even like that's when you pop some shit. Like it fucked my whole mindset where you're like, oh, there's a safety net. Yeah. Like the cops know who took my stuff. But they won't go get. They don't want anything about it. Just it was really intense. Like I'd finally overcome this anxiety to make it happen, and then yeah. as soon as it, yeah. So anyway, then I had really had sent tapes out to be digitized because, and somebody. So they actually didn't steal the tape. They stole the tapes and the hard drive that had the digitized version on it. Mm-hmm. I had copied the digitized version at my buddy Matt Reminds' house onto his hard drive so I could relearn the riffs nice. at one of the failed like resurrections. Right. <laughs> and I left a couple pedals at his house. It, yeah. um, so we got it, and I learned it. And... My nine-year-old daughter at the time wrote the lyrics, which was awesome, so I didn't have to. And um, went down to LA, and it took like two and a half hours in the studio, and I'm done. And I was like, it, it, "It took how long in the studio?" You said. <laughs> uh, my part, two and a half hours. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was done, and yeah, I was done. And it was what sixteen yeah. years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's like, yeah, run the marathon, yeah. stop a foot before the finish line. Got it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, so I, I don't. I try really hard not to regrets. You know, just be like, well, well, but and but I also have agency, so like I know I fucked that up, and I also know. You know, had I not fucked that up and we make Mike and the Melvins, we probably tour it. But that was the plan was to then be like Mike and the Melvins would open for the Melvins and then I would also play bass in the Melvins on that tour. So it would be me and Kevin on bass. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Which would have been fucking amazing. Right. Cool. For me. Yeah. <laughs> for everybody. Yeah. Cool for everybody. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And then I know 
like how things ended up shaking out. Kevin leaves the band. If I had stuck around and been available and been a good partner, maybe I end up in once for a while. But I I would have been kicked out of the Melvins so, so fast. They work very differently than you do. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, it just wouldn't have been like, I, I'm a good worker. Like, like I work really hard. Sure. But just musically. I, it would have been really tough because Buzz, those guys fucking rip and they're pros and he can say, oh, that's a C sharp or whatever. Yeah. And I have to click on my tuner and move <laughs> my finger to what says C sharp <laughs> on the bow. I'm like, oh, it's between those two dots or whatever, right? I, and just also my attitude and like I think, like I said, every band we're talking about doesn't exist anymore and they all included me. And I think I can be a lot to like tour with and be around and yeah i think i had ever stopped being scared of the melvins and acted like if i was one of the melvins that would have got me kicked out so fast and i would have deserved it so in the end i'm still friends with the melvins right yeah. but had i been the melvins and had my heart broken probably wouldn't still be friends so yeah but yeah, then it came out, and it's good. Record. It's good. It's fine. Yeah, I was hoping we would tour, and we talked about it. But I, those guys are such a like machine, you know. Yeah. And I, it just didn't happen. So, and that's and they plan totally like fine. I'm glad. Like years in advance, you know. <laughs> they, they they like they have so many things going on at a given moment in time. Well, and that was with the they were going out with Napalm Death, and they yep. said I could come along, and we could do a couple songs, you know. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, like I gotta, I need to earn a living. Like I can't. Yeah, can't just. I can't leave for six weeks to, like, we're gonna sell the same amount of records because. It's got the Melvins on it. Those guys, yeah. Whether I play those shows or not. So I chose not to. And they were in with that. So, I mean, if it ever came up, somebody wanted to pay us to play, I, I sure would do it. But yeah. But yeah, I'm glad I finished it. Well, I mean, it's just like a trophy, you know? Like, I, that's all it is for me. Is it? Like I, I had that opportunity. Not a lot of people have had that opportunity, and I'm proud of it. So, since we've gone kind of longer on the longer side, anyway, which I'm totally for. You know, this is not this is not the Guardians of the Threshold or Protonic necessarily, but like of that is it's one story. <laughs> but I, I would I would feel remiss uh not to at least touch on Dead Low Tide and Smoke and Smoke. So Dead Low Tide yeah. I saw kinda mostly from the outside Where? waiting for my friend to sh- uh, bottom uh Slims in SF. Uh mostly uh, probably open in what's that? Probably open in for the Melvins or what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And here's here's the rub of it. My friend slash bandmate, I had his ticket 
or like I was meeting him outside to like let him in or something. So I saw mm-hmm. most of the show from like the entrance way, basically waiting for right. him. Little did I know he had already got come in and was like rocking out up front and like hanging out. And, I was, yeah. like, and it was like your only tour. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Well, that band, that band a lot. I like that band too. And it was kind of born out of, uh, like, and mine was doing great. Like, our shows in Seattle were big enough. I mean, it was, you could kind of live off, live off of enemy mine, but it was so challenging to be in. Yeah. And I, we were hanging out at this bar called the Off Camp at the time. And Cody yeah, yeah. from Murder City Doubles was the bartender. And I was reading The Rocket or The Stranger or whatever the weekly was at the time. And it had this big story about Murder City Devils call it quits or whatever. It's a big deal before they and got like, back to the end of the 20th. Yeah. Cody walked up, he's like, Mike, what's up? And I was like, What are you gonna do, dude? And I and I said something like, Dude, if you need a bass player, just like I'm into it. And he was like, Holy shit. Whoa. And then Ryan, who was playing bass, I mean, my time was, yeah, that's what you should do. Start a band with Murder City Devils. Like, haha. You know, like, I was like, yeah. Okay. Like, now I'm gonna <laughs> dick. Like, <laughs> now that you're a dick about it, I <laughs> Just to win this argument. Yeah. Like, I'm gonna fuck myself so bad just to win, just because you thought it was a bad idea, you know? Yeah. So stupid. I do shit like that all the time. So then I, yeah, we figured it out. Like I, we had a practice. Like it wasn't really good style fit of like where I mean was, and where I was, and where what had kind of caused Murder City Devils to split up was like a. Some of their band wanted to go in a different direction, right? Yeah, but it yeah. was <laughs> It was. It wasn't towards any mind, like where any mind was, you know, like that wasn't, they weren't trying to be some impossible metal band. Right. They wanted to be like, the, they were into, really into La Savvy Fav, like that, so like that, I'll, like I'll Zach look, had said in his Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it makes sense, right? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty girls but, make graves. So, like, and, you know, <laughs> exactly, yeah, so and that um that's something zach said too where he said he wanted us to be like slayer new order which he never like never talked about new order but he wanted dance metal yeah and that's where i want to count because like the people that i'm trying to impress are going that was 11. Like, <laughs> right, that right. was 11. Yeah, yeah. Holy shit. Where did you do? Wait, wait, that's seven. That's nine. That's 11. That's four, you know? So I'm up there. Like, that's what's fun to me is to, like, it's like rudiments, but you're like exercising part of your brain you don't get to use. And the guitar player wanted to be in the savvy fat. So, like, he wants dance music for four 
yeah. And yeah. I want seventeen eleven or whatever. So and then that you know, Cody. Oh man, we got along great. And I love to practice. So like Cody and I would practice for like six hours a day, just bass and drums. And we would write all these riffs, and then the rest of the band show up and just no, no, no that, no that. And so we would make compromises, and that, and like the first seven inch. I don't know if you've heard the seven inch version, but that yeah. is great. I don't have it anymore. Like it I lost it, but yeah, I have it. Yeah, or, yeah I well, think I have whatever. It. It <laughs> And we recorded it at the same place that Amy Mine recorded, which is Uptone in Tacoma with my buddy Wes. And he just knew how to make my bass sound the way I heard it. Wes also heard it. So that record just rips. Like, we did it in a day. It's four songs or whatever. And then we toured twice, signed to a label that wasn't really a label. It was weird. And... I got sick on the last tour, like the last week of the last tour, it just seemed like I had the flu mm -hmm. and we went in the studio, started tracking. I got so sick. I couldn't be in the studio anymore. Wow. And it turned out to be whooping cough, which hadn't oh, wow. been in Washington for like 50 years. Yeah. So I caught it on tour somewhere. Yeah. Ended up having it for 11 months, and I coughed so hard I broke my ribs, and I coughed so hard the sphincter valve in my throat wouldn't stay shut anymore. So if I had eaten right before a coughing attack, like the food, I wasn't throwing up, but the valve in my throat was stuck open, coughing so much. Jeez. It was gnarly. So... And when the doctors haven't seen whooping cough for 50 years, they don't know what you have. Yeah, yeah, they, 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 it's not the first thing they're going to think of. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, and it was awful. It was, it was awful. And so we have this half-finished record, and I'm a total dick about, like, no, those are my backup vocals. Yeah. One who says everything. I got a word in the song. That's mine. Nate can't do that. Yeah. When I know Nate should have just done my vocals, right? Like everybody's waiting for me to get one of the sing these like, three sentences to finish the record. And it's like, <laughs> I'm being super stubborn. And I'm also kind of dying, like possibly dying. Yeah. yeah. And those guys work. So they had been on tour for like 10 years. It was like tour, album, tour, and tour, album. And that's what we were planning to do. And that's what we were doing. And we got home from tour. And then all of a sudden there's this break. And nobody in that band had had a break for like five years. And first Gabe, who was our road manager, who's part of the band, awesome dude quit and you said you can hire me but i can't just be in this band because you don't we can't work yeah, and then the yeah. guitar player quit and then yeah. cody quit and then like, there's our band so but 
I don't have any hard feelings about that band, but I was definitely the reason it stopped existing. It was not my personality. I don't think it was my physical ability to be in that band, you know, to finish the record. So, yeah. Yeah. Another sad story, you know, sad, happy beginning, sad ending. I, I, I mean, it's, it's a ripping band and I was, I was doubly pissed that yeah, it was great. I didn't get the chance to honestly see you. I heard you. Uh, I mean, that's my, you know, my tale. Yeah. But like, I was like, and that was their yeah. last tour. Of course it was. Yeah. I, I love being in that band because I didn't have to tour, manage, or drive. Right. And I'd Which never was- been in a band where I wasn't like, in charge of the whole thing. And uh, it was awesome. I mean, it was like a vacation. And Gabe, right. like, knew how to, he, he made me put numbers on all my equipment. Cause I always, I have weird setups. It's not, not like just a normal guitar or whatever. Yeah. And, and pedals are all fucked up and I like them a certain way, which is not, I think it's normal to me, but it's not normal. And he learned how to set it up so I could just Sweet. walk out on stage <laughs> and- And yourself's ready for again. it. I never, yeah, that to me, I was just like, oh God, like it's like, like getting a back rub. Like I just was exactly amazing. Yeah. yeah, and then there's there's five people. So I'm used to being in a two person band with no Rudy. Yeah. With the same amount of equipment as a five person band. We right. split exactly. that work up over five people and it's like I carried my base case and one cabinet. And it's it's done. And then I leave for dinner and I come back for sound check of shits exactly where I want it. Every, I just have to walk out and it goes. Like I make it go. And it was just like, so it was the most fun I've ever had playing music was that band. Um, because that, they knew how to do it and I didn't know how to do it. The way that I always did it, I do everything still the hardest way possible. And that wears people out. Like my cabin that I'm living in, yeah, that's, oh God. I built it myself, but not the the easy way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I don't know why. Like I, to me, there's more satisfaction. Like I don't think matters to anybody else that there's no overdubs on those records. I was taught, but to me, I know how hard it is to make that much sound yeah. out of one string or four strings or two people, and that's really rewarding to me that we took this hard road to. What you get today with like a amp simulator and a keyboard, you could make that whole record easily. Yeah, probably most of those sounds, right? But I would never do it that way. I would find the hardest way, and uh, those guys <laughs> way toured. Yeah, yeah, and the way those guys toured was like the right way. Like we had a trailer full of equipment, 
they had a fucking Xbox in the van. So you could sit on the floor. Coach is really into Spider-Man games. So I play video games, but I wouldn't sit and watch. Yeah. But he sit on the floor of the van playing Spider-Man for hours. And it was so much more fun than being mad at your partner. <laughs> right. And there's, there's nobody. Like, there's nobody there's to mediate. Drive. Nobody. Yeah. Yeah, and he's gonna you're gonna be on fire while you're sleeping. Yeah, it just was like the right way to do it, and I would have done it forever. Like we were making enough money, we were making records, people were interested enough, and it was satisfying enough that it wasn't like a job. It was like a band, and it ended when I got so sick and couldn't come back. And then everybody else, I mean, I think is real. I'm sure Cody is happier in business I just, than he was. I just, in saw, that I just saw him Catterwall too. And uh, the next day he flew out. to. Oh Europe yeah. Yeah. He played like, the next morning. He's, he went out. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah. And that's Cody. I mean, you talk about a pro, obviously like those two guys that ended like Jared and Cody ended up in the Melvin. That's that's not what happened if I had in the Melvins. Like I'm telling you, I would have got a bus ticket from like the third show. Like they would have sent me home. You would have gotten the so uh, fucking fast. You would have gotten the Dave Mustaine yeah. treatment. Whatever. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. So, or they would have kicked me into the U-Haul, like with the shirts. Go, you right. ride with the shirts, or you can go. You know. Yeah, and I'm self-aware enough to know that. Yeah. And like Jared and Cody, that's a different thing. And like the setup is the same as me and Dan, right? yeah. but it's different. And Jared and Cody are really, really different from me and Dan. So if you would have tried to put me and Dan in the Melvins, that <laughs> never would have worked. Yeah. But if you put Jared and Cody in the Melvins, it's fucking awesome. Right. And Cody, Dude's a pro. I had never played with a. I mean, this isn't a diss on my bandmates, but besides Dale for that one bit of time, I hadn't played with a pro like that that was just like, you know, like Dan and I were, first it was BMX bikes, then it was fanzines, then it was music. Yeah. We didn't know what we were doing ever. Cody was like playing with. A fucking clock, you know, like right, absolutely, it's exact yeah. Precision, yeah, and great, and great baby, like super fun to be in a band with. So yeah, and that's a that's a sad one to me, because it was it had potential, you know that. Yeah, yeah. The rest of them were maybe somebody's fault, probably my fault. But they quit happening but that one you know i could not help getting sick like that and no is that yeah, you just do? yeah couldn't continue yeah and my voice i can't sing anymore like that and my voice box is destroyed and it just was from all the stomach acid in my throat it was yeah it was awful so everything changed for me but, was that one of the reasons why when you and dan but kept together, you did smoke and smoke because 
you didn't have you wouldn't well, have to worry about Spencer's pretty that, got that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I love Spencer. Who's great. And I but, and that's another I, one like, Well, whatever. Like some people don't like it, but I don't give I a shit. Great. Like I like it. And I thought it was, you know, I thought it was like awesome. we were making it for me. Yeah. And he and I I can't say like well number one I don't like being in front. Like that always was really hard for me. And singing into a microphone's really hard for me. And um uh I love Spencer. Like he like he's the real deal. And he's also a great friend and like a super talented artist and his lyrics. I love his lyrics. I love his voice. I love being in a band with him. And he's similar for me to Dan. But he does Dan does it the way I like it. So I kind of don't need anybody but Dan, you know? Right, right, right. And if sure. personality's never gotten away, it's like like if Dan and I could have stayed married basically figured out how to stay together without like grinding on each other like that. Right. Um I never ever would have played with another drummer. Like there was there's no way cuz he does it the way I like it. And uh I don't know how to describe it but I know it when I hear it. And Spencer when he hangs it's so fucking loud like I thought cuz I scream when I I don't sing like I'm screaming. Yeah, the meter would be like that, and then Spencer would get up to do his vocal and just like peg meter. Yeah, he likes so much. That guy's like such a. I don't know. Yeah, and I was just oh, comes up from somewhere low down. Yeah, I don't have. Yeah, I don't have. So like Spencer has it. And I'm happy, always happy to like defer to somebody who knows what they're doing and be like, well, I know how to play weird bass and I'm confident, but I can't do that. And I like, like the Jesus Lizard, I really like the danger, like seeing the Jesus Lizard, I always felt really dangerous, you know, and the way they, or the way I understood it, or somebody told me they just practiced as a band without the singer. So they would yeah. write songs. Yeah. Yeah. And then, hey, David Yao, check this out. Like, sing something, like make something fit, right? Yeah. And all I wanted to worry about was the music. And I built this bass synthesizer thing in it. Mm-hmm. It was with ex- all these extra strings and stuff, it was like I had this idea, but I wasn't sure how to make it happen. I kind of made it happen, and then Dan wanted to start playing again, so he moved out here to Washington, and it was great. Like I, it was a blast. Like we would sit and count together. It was really fun. Like I just like to count. Sounds really weird, but I'll just sit there and be like, okay, we're going to do 7, 9, 11, 13. Yeah. And he was happy to like learn that, like challenge 
his brain to do it too. You know, like it was, cause yeah. we came from like riding bikes in front of his mom's house and doing the same trick over and over and over again. And then your body learns, your mind learns where your hands and feet are supposed to be. And then you finally land it yeah. and then you do it every time, you know? So that's what we were doing was basically BMXing with our instruments. And then right. Spencer would come and yeah. be like, he loved it. Like Spencer loved being in that band, which made me really proud. And he was really proud to sing over that crap. And um, yeah, and we got on Princess Records, which was a little Fabs label. And it was, we did a tour. And then um, my wife and I decided to start a family. And I was just like, I don't, I, th I feel like. Being in a band, it takes a certain amount of ego that makes me act like a person that I don't always want to be. Because you have to believe what you're doing is worth five dollars to pay, sure. right? Or fifty dollars <laughs> yeah, yeah. to listen to. So I don't naturally feel that way. Like I. I don't have that kind of confidence. So I had to like, I would become a person that I wasn't really happy um, being, being in a band. And I knew if I had a child and my focus was on something I was that like fed my ego rather than like benefited the child or like my, mm. I don't know how to explain it. And I, and this is like interesting because we're talking about shit from 30 years ago, but I feel like you can't think the best thing you've ever done 40 years ago. You can't yeah, think that yeah. way. And as a parent, you really can't think that way because then you are, Right, exactly. Your mind yeah. is like, well, your mind is like wishing you were on tour with Melvins or like making this record or like, you know, people clapping for you or even booing you or throwing shit at you, like any reaction, like that's addictive. Like I, I miss the clapping. Like I miss the people saying good show or whatever, and the records or whatever. But I knew that I couldn't, I couldn't support a family on the money I was making playing music. And I couldn't, if I were to try to do that, I would have to stay gone six months a year. I just wasn't going to be that type of parent. So I talked to Dan and Spencer and I was like, I'm having a baby. I'd, we can still practice. I love practice. Like, I love practicing, but I'm not touring. Like I got it. This is my new band. And yeah. it's been really successful, but then you hear, like, oh, yeah, you disappeared into the woods and all this stuff. And I was like, well, I just went thing. Like, I wasn't, like, I still haven't done drugs. Like, since I did that acid in 91 on Hammerhead Tour, like, I've never done it again. Like, I don't. I don't have 
problems, I have interests that take me away from that. And I try to have really healthy interests for my family. It has been super successful and I'm proud daily of what I'm accomplishing. I mean, I'm a custodian, I'm a school, I'm a primary school custodian. And today, through the garbage bag so fucking high in the room, had a teacher catch it in the garbage can and the kids lost their shit, like screaming, cheering. And I was like, that's the same. To me, there's no difference. <laughs> like, I'm happy that it's happily thrown garbage bags in there on tour. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, like, I just, it's like chopping I like down it the when street. people appreciate whatever like i'm happy when people appreciate my ideas because that's yeah my currency is like i don't implement them correctly have what turn out to be original ideas and if it's thrown a garbage bag and tie i can tie it in this way that it takes forever to float down you know i'm super proud of that i mean i'm not as it doesn't have legacy scarlet and triumph or whatever but to me the feeling is really similar and i have to live that way because of all the feelings attached to the music and the scene and the friends you had at the time some of whom are not anymore who are not your friends anymore it's just too intense to live in for me to live in that time period and it's fun to reflect on and tell stories, but tomorrow I have to go clean the lunchroom. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? <laughs> no, like absolutely. I get it. Yeah. Like I, yeah, I mean, those records exist and that's awesome. But I, if I'm uh, on who I was, not who I was because I'm this person, but what I did for a living, and that this, what I do now, is somehow below that, like value-wise. That wouldn't be how you see it. At all. You will bring yourself out. Hey, you hate your life. Because your life was so rad then, but, oh, cool. I was saving up food stamps and sleeping in a van at a, in a 100-degree rest area <laughs> with my best friend from Fargo. You know what I mean? Like, right. that wasn't rad. Like parts of it were awful. Parts of it were awesome. And my life right now is like so much. There's almost no parts. Do you know what I mean? So like the. And that's what I think makes me different. And why like Melvin's record can take 17 years to finish is because I'm like. Because it's you. And that's, that's I how that's. Hobby. I, I get Yeah. Like I can get a hobby that will take me away from music for 10 years and then music will be my hobby again like i have this giant or synthesizer in the barn that's uh -huh. taller i mean it's bigger than me and i've had it for years and i have it set up so i just have to flip a switch and it starts and sometimes i just go out there and let it run right. and sometimes i move the plugs around and make songs out of it and they will end up in like snowboard videos and stuff but i don't what i liked about the modular and why i got it was because you 
you can't save it. Like it's, you turn it off, it's gone. Right. So I would work hard, make a song with beats, all this, and the things insane. Show it to my wife. To me, that's rad. I'd be like, as soon as I turn it off, it's over. Or if the temperature changes, the count goes off. You know, right? Like it's one getting different. Module. Yeah. yeah, resistor change temperature, it's off. It's up. And I, because I thought I was hung up on monetizing music or monetizing mm-hmm. art, because you're at some point when people are paying paying you to do it they you write 10 songs you get fifty thousand dollars yeah so i tell you that are those your 10 best songs you ever wrote or are those just the next 10 things you come up with right because you need fifty thousand dollars to put a down payment on a house so when people pay you five hundred dollars to make their record there was no, like you put in the work to like make those songs, like craft those songs. And when someone says you need 10 songs to like make a living this year, you might have two good ones. Right. <laughs> we can pay, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll pay the bills with that one. It's three minutes long. That's a song. You know, and that, so I thought having the synthesizer would make it so I just, I can't save it, I can't split, I can't record it. So if I enjoy music, that's all this is, is purely making music, not selling it. I don't share it, I don't show it to anybody. And uh, sometimes I still do that, but I have the job. You know, there's, it's, there's, no law that says you have to take it on the road, you know, <laughs> like there's, you know, it's, it's, no, it's right. But when you wow. do it, I always think of it. Cause like I have ended up being friends with like pro skateboarders and snowboarders and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think about when you have a pro model snowboard or skateboard, that's really similar to having your record put out. Right? Yeah. And when you're a 51 year old former professional skateboarder who did it to get paid like you did it for a living some of these people have a hard time doing it fun because it's always connected to always the connected monetization yeah. yeah and that happened to me because i was doing it for a living for so long and right. i didn't like that about myself so yeah so There's you ways, mentioned i'm sorry i no, no, no. That's there's nothing wrong with that. But Go you ahead. did mention earlier on, twenty seventeen, you decided to do like what was it, like nine, ten shows, like in the dead of winter or some. Yeah. yeah. So my, my daughter was four H and she wanted goats, a certain type of goat. Um, I we did a tour, and so my half of the money would pay for the goat barn and the goats and the fencing and uh, that's what i did i did that it's fun you know they we dan and i played in fargo i 
can't I don't know if it was six years ago or what, just a one-off show. Oh, for that benefit uh, was... for the for that bar, uh, that that club, right? Um... Uh, yeah, it was it was perfect. We had hotel rooms, but not together. And then we had the bar <laughs> to practice in every day. Nice. Nice. So, like, we weren't even all over each other. We could practice every day. And him and I, like, practicing is really fun. And we yeah. are, it's just fun band to be in still. Um, and like other people have said on your podcast, if that was all there was to being in a band on tour, was that? At 45 minutes so i would still be doing it every day but it's not there's a lot of other shit that there's a lot get paid of to do. Shit. yes <laughs> yeah there's a lot of work there is so we did that one show yeah we did that one show and it was like really well received like i didn't know um and it was it was with hammerhead it's really awesome band seven o'clock sucker that's part man that would, I mean, I thought they stole the show. Like, they were so fucking good. And, you know, it's similar age people, like 50-year-old people that had bands in their 20s or whatever. And their yeah, singer, yeah. Kyle, was so awesome. Yeah, yeah. And then Hammerhead played, and I, of course, like, cry like crazy because I haven't heard that. That sound is my, like, oh, fuck, man. I love that sound. And... Then we played and it was fine, like it was great. And then it was over. And then I asked to play in Brooklyn or something. And it was for enough money. They wanted us to play two shows, like a Saturday, a Friday, Saturday or something at the same yeah, bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the people flying or whatever. And it was a bunch of money. And I don't, I mean, of course, I don't fly. Like if I can't talk into a telephone, I don't get on an airplane i mean i there's stuff i just i will do if i have to but and then dan and i ever since we started we had made a joke that we were going to tour the upper midwest in february like, <laughs> just get the worst possible yeah. tour yeah and yes. so we were like let's, now's our chance let's do it and for <laughs> two weeks late, it was we had days where it was like 20 25 below is the high. <laughs> We're like the door handle band shattered, like the aluminum door handle shattered. And we're loading into places, you know, like regular bar load ins up fire escapes, and it's like right. 20 below. All the glamour stuff. And right. nobody, yeah, but it was like that has been a joke in our band for. 30 years to like do a February. Like we were going to do all the shows in North Dakota. It's like every town you could get. Why not? We were going to do like two weeks. Yeah. 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 Like anywhere that would test in February. Right. And uh, so we did it and it was brutal. Like people couldn't get out. Like it was like emergent. Like it was so cold that there were like cities were shutting down streets. So people wouldn't go out to the bars, you know? And yeah, then we're yeah. at this bar with the, and we have guarantees. So there's like, oh, they committed to pay us a thousand bucks. Yeah. And then it's 27 below and like four people show up. Oh, man. 
Can you like this is an old tour except we would have got twenty bucks. And now we're like I and you know, we're feel like shit because we're stealing money, you know. But yeah, yeah I mean we needed I needed the money. They knew what the yeah. what the season was. They knew what you know they probably didn't move yeah. there from Florida. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. But I you know, yeah, so we did that tour and I used the money to pay for goats. And uh, not Amazing. llamas, like you said. Yeah, but <laughs> not, alpacas. <laughs> not alpacas. Not um, alpacas. And it was fun, but it also wore me out. You know, like we ended up on the East Coast and I had to drive home by myself, which was fine. Like I yeah. love being by myself and I love driving. But by the time I got home, it was just like, and this wasn't, it was like, Two out of the ten shows that were really, really, really fun. And then there was like eight or five that were just like, I don't ever need to do that again, you know? And the last one was one of those where it was like, yeah, I don't need to do that again. And it, and I, so we got to stay in Fargo this summer. And Dan and I are talking about it, but I mean, gas just to get from washington and the stupid amps the vehicle i need to haul the amps in you know it's like yeah 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 yeah, it's gotta either be like it's gotta be fun for me and right now like there's other stuff that is as fun with way less hassle and and i told dan like after the last tour i was like we should just get our bikes and go on tour and not play music. <laughs> Just hang out. <laughs> yeah, because I hang out with Dan is awesome. It's the music that, like, I'm. I think I, you know, you should have Dan on here, and if he would feel free to speak freely about being in a band with me, like, you miss a snare hit, I it's over. I will lose my shit. And then for days, stay mad for days. And, but it's only sometimes. Like, I, sometimes you can miss every snare hit. And I don't give a shit. I think it's funny too, you know? Yeah. And I, I think I'm really hard to be in band with. And I think some time and distance away from being in bands has helped me to realize that's the case. And it's not always fun. If I'm not having fun, it's not fun for anybody else that's on the trip. So if I can't see it being really fun for me, it's not going to be fun for Dan either. So trying to be fair, Dan, I'm like, I can't play this summer, but maybe think about it next summer if they ask us again, because I just can't see myself having fun in that situation yeah yeah There's nothing wrong with that you know keep it adventure based why not why not yeah so mike this has been badass man thank yeah. you so much for doing it. well well I'm worth the wait the clock. <laughs> sorry no, yeah no, no. i mean nothing I, to apologize for i'll split it up into two episodes or something i'm gonna be on ironically i'm gonna be on tour next yeah, week so it's easy <laughs> yeah yeah 
Five dollars a gallon. You're the same story. Yeah, yeah. Math. Uh, how that was for me yesterday. I was like, oh my god. Yeah. No thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Am I doing well, this? <laughs> I mean, and that's the thing too is like I used to really hate. I used to think strive was really gross looking. Like people my age, you know, their bands are broken up. Or like their real band was on. And they just keep on being in bands and like striving, striving, striving. And they have kids at home and they're like leaving to go on tour, but it's just a vanity project. Like there's no way they're earning a living. Yeah. That used to really bother me. But now there's a friend of mine, Eric, who has this band called In Droves in this little tiny town we live in. Mm -hmm. And I'm so jealous. I told him like, I'm so jealous you can get it together to have a band and like, you can practice right? and play shows. Like, it's not striving. It's fun. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, like, in the 20 years of not playing music, I've got a better, like, I'd be way better to be in a band with now than I was then because I appreciate it all more. And, like, I can see so like what you're doing i know i don't have the energy to do that but i think it's something that you do it does that make sense like yeah, i know no, what I'm you're in for yeah. but you know what you're in for too, I know what I'm yeah, for too. No old enough to know better yeah. and uh, yeah. crazy enough to still do it yeah exactly <laughs> yeah and i'm jealous not jealous but i'm like yeah, I wish my brain would do that. Let me do that too. You know, like I just think too much about everything. That's something I used to think a different way than I do now. But yeah, that, uh, yeah, I'd love to have. I don't know if you're stupid or you got, <laughs> what is it? You got to either be stupid or brave. <laughs> better call him A, better call him B. <laughs> something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I'm not either. But I'm brave, <laughs> but I'm not stupid. So I Mike, don't go on tour anymore. Yeah, you've heard the show. Thanks, going in. Uh, this this is like last thing, yeah. same question. Only so, thing I ever ask people: choose, interpret it however you like. Why do you do what you do? But what I do now, you can choose to interpret it however you like, my friend. I. Do what I do so I can do what I want to do. Yeah. I got okay. it. That's it. Yeah. I do what I have to do so I can do what I want to do. Mike, thank you so much, man. It's it's been a pleasure. Yeah, anytime. I can fill it up, man. You need a you need me back. I got I can fill it up. Yeah. Let's save it up. This will be the Hobbit to the Lord of the Rings for next time, right? <laughs> oh, no. Wait for Cimmerillion or whatever. Yeah. I got this it all. I got six books. <laughs> all right, brother. Take care. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Conan. Ah, there he goes. Let's hear a tune. And, uh, wow, holy crap, that's my Kuka, man. <laughs> what a cool guy. Um, yes, yeah. thanks for listening, everybody. Turns out.
RetirementConversal.com for the archives. Like and subscribe, all that good stuff. Patreon.com slash Conversal. Thanks so much, everybody. Out on Route 128. Stay safe out there. And take it easy. I got my radio on. Can you hear me now?